Up to 162 million people in the United States and Europe, that's between 20 and 30 percent of the working age population, engage in some form of independent work. Some predict that number will jump to as much as 43 percent of the American workforce by 2020. These so-called freelancers or gig workers are cobbling together several projects, tasks, and duties to bring together one meaningful income. But in a world where very few people have a traditional nine to five, how do we even define what a job is in the first place? This is Work in Progress. Keeping an American business alive, it's just not as easy anymore. I watch too much go wrong. There are not a lot of choices. We're all continually learning. And if we're not, then we should be because that's how we advance as a human race in this society. It certainly is a different America. There's opportunities here that are untapped. You have to go get them. I'm just hoping that something will eventually crop up and get my life started. Welcome to LinkedIn's Work in Progress, a podcast on the future of the world of work. I'm your host, senior editor, Caroline Fairchild. And I'm LinkedIn managing editor, Chip Cutter. I'm traveling across the country this year for a year-long project on the state of work, what it means now and where it's headed. This week, Chip and I are tackling a question that's been rolling around both of our minds for quite some time now. What is a job in a world where more and more people are working for themselves? By 2020, that's less than three years away, some companies like Intuit are predicting that nearly half of American workers will not have traditional employment to a single employer. But more and more people are acknowledging that this is the reality, and it comes down to cost of living. So many of these cities across the U.S. have gotten so expensive that one job just cannot cut it. I talked with Roxanne McIntyre. She's a 35-year-old who lives in Northern Virginia, near the Washington, D.C. area. She has a full-time job working as a scheduling and logistics manager for a landscaping company. But she says that she has to fill that in with jobs after work, on Saturdays, even Sundays in some cases. But she says if she had her dream, she would just have one job. I like one employer still just because I am one of the type of people that likes a steady day-to-day routine. So if I had one employer that I was able to just know that I'm going to go into work, I'm going to have the same type of work every day, it's rewarding, I'm happy with the job, then I'd much prefer just to come into work, do my normal hours, and then be able to go home in the evening. I think that most people have that American dream in their head. We go to work, we come home, we have a good work-life balance. It's just not the reality anymore, though. So after her full-time job, when she gets home, Roxanne picks up extra work through TaskRabbit. It's one of many online platforms that have opened up in the past decade, offering people like her a chance to make some extra income. So for her, she cleans, she helps people organize their apartments, she does data entry. All of this allows her to make the supplemental income that she's looking for. And TaskRabbit isn't a new platform by any means. The company was started in 2008, and since then, a lot of other online marketplaces have come up to connect independent workers with work. There's Handy, there's also Thumbtack. But as a reporter covering this topic, the question used to be, can these companies scale? Can they take this concept out of the coast, San Francisco, New York, Boston, and really make this model work across the country? And a lot of these platforms have proven that they can do that. TaskRabbit, for example, is now in 40 cities across the country, including Kansas City and Durham, North Carolina. So now that these online marketplaces are really all over the country, the question becomes, do we have to rethink what work is entirely to make room for this growing class of independent workers? For a lot of people, it's a question of pay. 
these jobs are here now. This is the reality. But many of the, the people I talk to who are doing these jobs say we need to think about the benefits that accompany these jobs. We need to think about the kind of the social safety net issues. For decades, work has been one thing, and we've had benefits and retirement and everything else that has come with it. So if the gig economy is now this future, what does that look like? I talked with someone who had been working for TaskRabbit for more than six years, and she says benefits are the one issue that she says really need to be solved. There's no sick days. There's no like short-term disability, long-term disability. There's no 401k. I mean, you know, I was at 21, I started working in the corporate world. So I needed, you know, those little luxuries that I have somewhat taken for granted because I've always been working were not there and are not there in this peer-to-peer platform. So she's not down on the gig economy. She likes the work and she likes meeting people through it and she likes the extra money. But she says we need to think about these other issues, these other benefits that accompany work. So where are we right now in this conversation? If technology is going to allow more and more independent workers to find work without a traditional employer, how do we make sure that society allows them to do this with dignity? Our next guest knows a lot about this topic. Stacey Brown-Philpott is the CEO of TaskRabbit. The former Google executive came to TaskRabbit a year and a half ago, and under her leadership, the platform has grown rapidly. In total, TaskRabbit has about 50,000 workers registered on the platform. Stacey, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to Work in Progress. Thank you for having me. So it's been about a year since I last sat down with you in TaskRabbit's office in San Francisco, where we are right now, and a lot has changed at TaskRabbit, a lot of expansion. So talk to me a little bit about what's been going on this last year at TaskRabbit and how the company has been growing. Absolutely. It's been very exciting, and it's a very exciting time for the company overall. Our business has grown 100% year over year. We entered 2017 with the goal of bringing TaskRabbit to more cities in the U.S., particularly bringing TaskRabbit to the heartland of America. So by the end of June, we launched TaskRabbit in 21 new cities, uh, bringing our total to 40 overall. And the exciting part of that is we're reaching cities like Detroit, where I'm from, Kansas City, which has been really interesting to see grow, and Nashville. And it's, it's a really exciting time for us to really make sure that the service is not just for people on the coast of our country, but everywhere in our country. Yeah, and I think that when people think of TaskRabbit, they think of the gig economy, they assume it's just a bunch of affluent people on the coast using this. And explain to us why this is a concept that both workers as well as consumers across the country are interested in participating in. Everybody wants to find meaningful work. And growing up where I grew up, people are interested in doing something that matters, doing something for their community, having a sense of pride in what they do. And one of the most interesting things about this last expansion that we did was the importance of community that came out in some of the conversations we were having with the new clients who use the service and the taskers who are finding work. They're excited about contributing to the neighborhoods that they live in, contributing to the environments that they live in, helping people find more time in their lives and helping people earn an income that they wouldn't otherwise be able to make. And so when you have that kind of story, People are excited about that. They want their communities to thrive. There aren't a lot of jobs being naturally created anymore. And the TaskRabbit platform is a platform that is actually creating jobs for people everywhere. And when you talk about bringing that sense of community, TaskRabbit doesn't actually employ these taskers. They're independent contractors, correct? That's right. How do you build this community around the taskers, given that they're not actually employed for TaskRabbit? Yeah, our taskers are independent contractors. And it's 
They love being independent contractors because the number one thing that it provides is flexibility for them to decide when and how they want to work. And they earn on average $35 an hour. This is a meaningful income. We are paying bills in a very highly growing cost of living country. Everywhere in this country, cost of living is growing. And so when we think about community, it's about how do we connect these taskers together? Community is also about helping the other person learn. Our taskers have meetups. We host the meetups. We give them lots of great information about what's going on the platform. But they help each other learn about new skills. If I want to learn how to drill a hole in a brick wall, there's a great tasker who knows how to do it. And he can teach me how to do it. And now I can charge a higher hourly rate. And I meet someone who is similar to me, may have similar interests mm-hmm. as me as well. And I think what's so interesting and what a lot of listeners might not know is that TaskRabbit was actually founded in 2008 before the gig economy was really the gig economy. And that yeah. was really the depths of the Great Recession. And we're in such a different place in the country right now. Can you talk to us a little bit about how the problem statement of TaskRabbit has changed through the years and where you guys are right now with the needs you're trying to fill? There's multiple levels to the problem statement. When the company was founded, there was no such thing as the gig economy or the sharing economy. People weren't trusting anybody to do anything. And we were the pioneers of helping you build trust. So there's some level of trust around driving me around. The second level of trust around bringing something to my door. Then there's a third level of trust of coming into my house. That's probably one of the highest levels of trust that an individual can create between another individual. And we've basically crossed that threshold. As the industry has grown, we've maintained our focus on building a strong foundation in our company that's cornered in values. Mm -hmm. And now more taskers are coming into homes in the middle of the country, like you discussed with this expansion. And this is really coming at a time when a lot of people in America are feeling left behind. What are you hearing from taskers who are joining the platform in terms of why they are choosing this type of work right now? Yeah, most of our taskers are supplementing their income. The cost of living has gone up. How we think about what it takes to really live has changed. The definition of minimum wage versus livable wage is widening in most places in our country. So most of these tasks are coming to TaskRabbit because they have a full-time job, but that job is not making those ends meet, and they need to supplement their income. When we decided to launch into these new markets, we identified a great number of taskers who said, this is great for me because I've got this full-time job. I have a few extra hours on Thursdays and Saturdays. And if I can task on TaskRabbit, I don't have to work three jobs anymore. I can just do two because this is going to give me flexibility. And wow, I can make $25 an hour. That's way more than my other alternatives. And I can take now this money and maybe save it. I can pay some bills. I can feel like I have some choices at the end of the month as opposed to worrying about whether or not I'm going to make ends meet at the end of the month. This is a theme we keep hearing from people across the country, too. They tell us that it just is become increasingly difficult to find that livable wage. They're finding that they're cobbling together an income from maybe two or three jobs. We talked with somebody. Uh, her name's Annie Imperado. She's a 31-year-old. She lives in Boston. She has a master's degree. She works at Boston University full-time. But also, she's been working for TaskRabbit for the past two and a half years. She started uh, just to kind of make some extra money to pay for her wedding and has kept on since then. You know, I mean, no American dream includes... I'm going to work three jobs 80 hours a week so that I don't have to put my dog walker on a credit card every month like I do right now. (laughs) And so, again, like August was tight because 
you, my task rabbit money is usually what pays for those things, and that didn't come in this month, so you know it's just going on the credit card. She likes working for TaskRabbit, but she says there is this unpredictability month to month. So do we need a bigger rethinking of what work actually means? Yeah, what Andy is describing is something that's been on my mind. It's on the minds of everybody here at TaskRabbit and something that we talk a lot about. Some months it's going to be more and some months, you know, in her case, it's, it's going to be less. So I do think that we have a responsibility as a company to think about how do we continue to build our platform that way. The future of work is already changing. The fact that it takes Annie three jobs to get to where she needs to be and where she wants to be in her life says that the current construct of how jobs are defined and how we earn income around them isn't going to work in the future. And it has to change. What we're doing to support that at TaskRabbit is allowing for the flexibility at the same time, allowing for people to earn more money on the platform as they build their skills. And then trying to work with policymakers to think about what policies need to evolve to make sure that the benefits are there. A lot of our taskers, and I don't know if Annie had to make this choice, choose often to keep a full-time job because it gives them benefits. If those benefits were in fact portable, she may earn more on an hourly basis tasking on TaskRabbit for more hours per week. So there's a lot of um, elements of our social structure that needs to sort of evolve to allow the future of work to change and for platforms like ours to enable people like Annie to get more steady work. We want to make more hours available. We want to make the service available. And we want to make sure that people also have the benefits that they need to raise their families. And right now we have about 162 million people in Europe and the United States, or 20 to 30 percent of the working age population, engaging in some sort of independent work. And that's, that's a lot of people. As the CEO of a future of work company, what are some of the biggest barriers to trying to get there? You mentioned portable benefits, but what else is kind of impacting your ability to really provide for the people who are tasking on the platform? Yeah, that's that's a big one. The second big area is around uh, training and skill development. When you think about the education system and how it's preparing people for a workforce, we look at that as we're getting some education to do some job today. But by the time that you finish your education, the, the nature of what the jobs are, are changing so fast. And so the big question that I have around the education system is how are we helping people learn how to learn? And what are we doing to make sure that the skills that we're learning are the right skills for the future? And if they're not, are we making those skills available fast enough and early enough so that we can learn them and now begin to use them? Because someone who tasks, they are going to show up right now. And if they don't know how to line up that TV to be mounted on your wall, they're not going to get hired again. That is a skill that needs to be immediately visible and the competency needs to be demonstrated. And that's a very different way of how work was normally where you've got a long training period. There's no long training period anymore. There's a skill development, there's an application of a skill, and there's a feedback system that the education system now needs to sort of embrace. But this is the theme we hear in the workforce. We hear from professionals too, that they wonder, how do we get those skills? If we want those jobs that can give us a good pay and a good living, 
what do we need to do? I talked to J.C. Cooper. He's a 24-year-old, lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. He just moved to Charlotte. He's currently working uh, full-time as a manager at a Walgreens, but working towards getting a bachelor's degree in logistics. He said that he still thinks the dream is one job, but says that we need to change how we think about getting to those jobs. I still believe that there are plenty of jobs out there where you can work nine to five and get paid enough to work one job. But I don't believe that um, our education system or even our culture these days is built to put us in a position to get those kinds of jobs. Do you agree with that sentiment? And what would you do to build that kind of system that would allow people to get those skills more quickly and to, and to respond to, to kind of the needs that employers have? So the sentiment of the nine to five is what I was taught. And so the fact that he's a lot younger than I am, <laughs> he still feels that way is, is quite interesting. When we have our task group meetups and you have hundreds of people come into a room who are not working nine to five and don't ever want to do that for the rest of their lives, that's an entirely different generation mindset shift that is happening in our country. So I believe that while there may be a place for nine to five jobs in some industries, many of our jobs will become much more dynamic and much more flexible. And that means that as individuals, we'll have to become more capable of demonstrating certain skills and multiple skills at a time. We often thought about careers as you have one kind of career in the first part of your life and then a second kind of career later. So maybe you work in industry and then you go work in nonprofit or vice versa or something like that. And now it's like you may do both. You may switch in and out. And so the education system, I believe, needs to help us get some basic understanding of the fundamentals. And after that, help us develop expertise in the things that we are truly passionate about that are going to give us the life that we want in a shorter time frame. And so the, the definition of community college used to be a stepping stone to a four-year education. Why does that have to be a stepping stone? Why can't it just be a year of learning some application, another year of learning, some more application that advances my entire life. But maybe this is just coming from me, someone with a pretty traditional education background, but isn't this all just sounds so exhausting and impossible? I can just imagine as someone who either went to school for a certain job or assumed that they would have a certain profession, now hearing that we have this flexible economy in which you have to adapt to each change in the workforce how do we get there? How do we actually make sure that this is something that people can do without feeling like they just have to constantly be changing what they're good at? It does sound exhausting. Um, and especially when you talk about it, it's like, wow, like, what am I going to have to be able to do today? But when I think about our taskers and how they work, they're already doing it. And it's more natural than you think. They leave every task with feedback on how it went and for the next one, they learn from that feedback on what they can do better. And it's just the natural, ordinary course of business. So our taskers will have these meetups and they'll spend 30 minutes on something. And they'll go away for you know two months before we have another one with a whole new set of skills that they've learned and can apply. 
And they were happy to have spent an hour in a meeting, 30 minutes learning something, and now I can go. It's not exhausting. It's actually uplifting because I'm doing something new. And there's something about the brain wanting to continue to learn. We're all continually learning. And if we're not, then we should be because that's how we advance as a human race in this society. As we think about careers adapting, we talked to a couple of people who said that they really like that we're in this world now where you can be flexible and you can do different things. You're switching from job to job and, and from skill to skill. But they said the one thing that got them was this lack of predictability of not knowing what was next. I talked with Stacy Simon. She's in her 50s. She also lives near Boston. She's been tasking for about six and a half years. Wow. She does everything from helping people organize their closets to working as a personal assistant. So I've been a task for over like six and a half years. Three years ago, I got laid off as a, as a software engineer. And actually, that summer, I mean, I was on unemployment. I had gotten a severance package. I mean, I was fine financially. I was like, let me try tasking full time. So I was tasking full time, and I was crazy busy. I was working like 50, 60, 70 hours a week tasking. But you would go to bed at night not knowing what you're doing the next day, and then you'd wake up, and you'd have all these messages of all these people that wanted to hire you. And then you're just running around like a crazy person. And after a couple of months of this, I was like, no, I can't do this full time. Is there anything we can do, anything that you are thinking about to try to address that for people who do rely on not just a task grab, but for people who do rely on the gig economy for their incomes? How do they smooth that out? Yeah. So first, let me just say six and a half years having Stacey's boss, she, she was probably one of the original taskers from the very beginning. I mean, it is tremendous to hear her and how she speaks about the platform. How exciting. She also must have been very, very good at what she did on TaskRabbit because that's a great problem to have, which is you get so much work that you can't even handle the volume of it coming in. We're fortunate to have taskers like Stacey across of the country in our marketplace. And we've done a lot to invest in the predictability for them. And I look at that as like, this is great. And she's like, no, it's not because I really want to know what am I going to do today and for how long we've really invested in our technology. We have a data science team that analyzes a lot about the demand and the interest in getting tasks done and the availability of our taskers. Uh, we, we've invested in collecting more information about their availability so that they can, uh, we can only let them know about tasks for which they have time available to complete as opposed to overloading them with tasks that they just can't because either they don't want to work on Saturdays or they're already booked for something. So in the last year and a half, that investment has really paid off. The taskers now have a lot more control over what they enter about their schedule and availability. And our technology has advanced such that we can take that information to only let Stacy see what's available to her when she's available and when she wants to work. So hopefully she'll try it again. <laughs> but this is a problem that tech can only solve so much to a certain extent, right? If we think a little bit bigger about how jobs have defined 
a lot of people's lives, their profession has defined what they do. Being able to say, I go to this office every day, predictability comes with a nine to five job. What are the other components other than amazing data scientists and a great platform that need to come together here to create this next generation of workers that's taking these full-time jobs? We provide lots of data on what your income is and what it can be and the trends and the average of what you've already earned. What if we could really understand what your income requirements are? That helps us now better manage what we know about you and how we can provide work. The other piece is just sharing information across the different platforms. So today, if she's tasking on TaskRabbit and something else, a Lyft driver, none of that data is coming together. None of it is as organized as it could be. I think there will be companies that emerge that support the aggregation of this information so that now we can better predict and provide more predictability or scheduling for people like Stacey. And I'm sure you're up to speed on this growing dialogue that we're hearing about how AI and automation are coming in and taking jobs. Have you given any thought to what jobs could be automated on TaskRabbit, what jobs are currently on the marketplace that may not be in five years? We think a lot about automation. Our country and society has mostly benefited from automation, where automation has really advanced the human race. And the recent conversations about what automation will do is that actually it's going to replace a lot of our jobs and therefore not advance us as people. I think a little bit differently, there will be some jobs that people won't be able to do or the machines will be able to do. For example, a robot could theoretically figure out where in this wall should I not drill because I might burst a pipe. But the alignment of it, the decision by you as the customer that you don't want it on that wall and a different wall has to be some human intervention that's in there. So what I actually see happening is that some of the decisions around how a task gets performed on TaskRabbit could be automated, but the judgment that goes with that decision will be a human being. That's going to give our taskers more information. They're going to be better at what they do, and they'll be able to take on more work. I'm curious. We talk a lot about AI and automation. There's a lot of high-level conversations about the future of work that happen on the coast in San Francisco, New York. What are you hearing from actual taskers as you expand the platform? What are they saying about why they're working there? What are they saying about their livelihoods and why they're doing TaskRabbit? Mostly, the taskers are saying, I need a job. I got laid off. I'm in between jobs. I'm not supplementing my income. I retired, but I need to get out and see people and interact with people. I take pride in the work that I do. And I really just want to be helpful to someone. There is some fear that automation will take my other job away sometimes, but it's mostly that this is work that I know how to do, that I'm good at, and it's going to benefit someone else, and that makes me feel good. That's going to be a positive experience for everyone. Stacey, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. That was TaskRabbit CEO Stacey Brown-Philpot talking to us about how independent work is really changing economies around the U.S. 
And Chip, after speaking to Stacy, my big thought is that technology is just moving much faster than society is. We now have these smartphones in our hand that allow us to, with a few clicks of a button, find employment. But the structures that are around traditional jobs are just not there for these independent contractors. So they're happy that they're making more money. But ultimately, at the end of the day, there's a lot of uncertainty about how often that money is really going to flow in. And talking with all these workers, you really get the sense, first off, that they're exhausted. They're working all the time. They're trying to keep up with this pace of change and managing a full-time job, doing these kind of extra jobs on the side. But they're also, I think, just really confused about where work is going, where they should be headed, what they should be thinking about as work evolves. A lot of them just don't know. Earlier this summer, I spent some time at an Amazon fulfillment center in Indiana. And it was super interesting to me, if we talk about kind of the future of work, this is a place where they were hiring thousands of people. And the people applying there were super diverse. They were all over the spectrum. And the kind of common theme that united what they said was that, well, I don't like my current job. Not exactly sure what to do next. I'll give this a shot. And I think that uncertainty is just something we just keep hearing over and over. To be sure, some solutions are already being explored. As Stacy said, this issue of benefits being tied to your employer, that needs to change so that they're more portable and you can get health benefits in other ways. But there are other things that we need to explore to make sure that independent workers are not only doing work that makes them get up in the morning, but also work that helps them pay their bills. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please feel free to rate and review our show on iTunes and Google Play. It really helps get the word out. Also, we'd love for you to share your thoughts on the podcast and the issues that we've discussed on LinkedIn using hashtag work in progress. You can find me on LinkedIn at Caroline Fairchild and Twitter at CFair1. And to follow Chip Cutter, follow him on LinkedIn and Twitter as well at Chip Cutter. This week's show was produced by Florencio Ariando, David Pond, and Wesley Wingo. We'll see you again soon.